today I have one question for you, and that is, who is the mole? Welcome back to another edition of In Case You Missed It with your host, Casey Houlihan, and permanent guest, Eddie Trezino. That's right, we're back. Of the famed In Case You Missed It podcast. That's right, he's a famous guest. Um, so, Eddie and I have been itching to do another episode of the pod, the fans obviously have been demanding it and this episode we're keeping it light we're keeping it simple we're going to talk about how we single-handedly brought back a game show from the early 2000s mm-hmm. the mole the mole we talked about it on this show i think right yeah. yeah i'm almost certain yes yes we've talked about it before as a recommendation because we watched the original series when it came up on netflix and it's from 2001, and it was hosted by Anderson Cooper, and we loved it. We loved every second of it. Every second of the two seasons they uploaded to Netflix. And then my sister texts me about, I would say a month ago, and says, did you see there's the new The Mole on, on, there's more mole. on Netflix? And I was like, no. And so Eddie and I started watching, and um, it is different, right? Okay, yeah. But I do think it is still good. It was still compelling, and I still enjoyed it. I would say the thing Eddie and I have noticed as as um, reality TV aficionados is when you watch really old seasons, like from early 2000s of reality shows, there's something about it that just can't be captured today. It's because people didn't have Instagram, like influencers weren't a thing. People weren't so used to being on camera. Like people were just, they acted different. Don't you think? I agree, yeah. Like it's the authenticity... <laughs> I said that weird is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, should we get into like the background of the mole? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay, so it was a show on two, like you said. Eddie's just. <laughs> I wonder if they can hear your little your little yeah, baggie of probably, pumpkin seeds. That would be my last one. Of pumpkin seeds. I'm distracted. I'm not on my A game. People come here for the for the for the chewing. The sounds. chewing. All right. So the mole is a game show where there's a a group of players, I believe. I think in the newest season, there's 12. It might have been like that in the old ones, but... I'll look on Wikipedia. Yeah, I was doing some research, but they, um, want, they're they all playing to add money to a pot of money that one player will win at the end, and the way they win is by correctly or getting the closest to guessing who the mole is every episode, and the mole is a person hired by the producers to try to throw off the gameplay and take money away from the pot. Um, and just cause havoc on the pe- players' lives. Yeah. And uh, so it's, I mean, like, the premise is pretty good. Like, I can't think of anything else like the mole. I will and... say something that it reminds me of, um, not in the premise, but in the challenges, is kind of like if you like. Um, the great, or, uh, or what is it called? The Amazing Race. Yes, the Amazing yeah, it Race. It is kind of Amazing Race esque. Because they're going to different locations outside the country, usually, and they. I mean, the original series did this much better. They kind of, like, make them ingrain themselves in an environment that they are at a disadvantage, right? Because they don't speak the language. Like, the original Mole, one of my favorite... Prague, the original? Well, something? one of my favorite challenges was they were... I thought it was Italy. Maybe it was Italy. And I thought it was Italy, and they had to get their... La- they had to get the laundry done of their teammates... They had to, but they had to ask someone to use their washer and dryer. They couldn't like 
Yeah, so every episode they're giving like given a couple missions and like the, the missions are how you add money to the pot. Yes. And like usually they and yeah, they ca- that carries over to the new season where they separate the players out into groups and they have to like kinda, like teams. Yeah, like two teams or three teams and they have to complete different tasks and like that's how they add money to the game and meanwhile the mole is trying to get them to not win the money. So the mole is like sabotage. Right, but they have to be like sly about it because they don't want people to figure yeah. out that they're the mole. Yeah, and so, I mean, like the game is everybody, all the players, like also try to make people think that they're the mole so that other people guess wrong. Um, right. At the end of the episode, there's a quiz and whoever gets the least, who, least amount. Yeah, whoever correct. does the worst on the quiz, like about who the mole is, is executed. Yeah. Yes, that is the word they use. That's the word they use in the OG. Execution, yes. In the OG series. Anderson Cooper was saying... Before was saying, 9-11. Adam, you're going to be executed. <laughs> it's over for you, buddy. This is before... Come with me and you'll be executed. They didn't say it in the new season, I don't think. They should eliminate it. I think they did say it. Really? I, th- I think they did. I can't remember. What I find interesting as a journalist, former journalist who likes journalism personalities is they had anderson cooper host the og one right and then i was like who's this who's this gal hosting the new netflix one it's also like a yeah, big, big time reporter so the new season is similar to the old one and in, in that like all the ch- like the format is pretty much the same i would say that uh the main differences is are like it's much less quaint like everything yeah it's really got the netflix sheen which is a good and bad thing because the, uh they a lot of reality TV nowadays relies, and even Netflix shows, like rely on the cliffhanger to get you to watch the next episode, which I don't really like. Oh, yeah, that's the worst part so, of the reboot. That's so, yeah, the there's, worst part. you basically like get through the whole episode and then they take the quiz and then you're going to find out which player is leaving the team. And then they cut to, to credits. So you have to click the next episode to find out. It really throws, if you ask me, that throws off the pacing. Mm-hmm. And when you throw off the pacing, you throw off my mind. Uh, so okay. So anyway, you want to talk? Like, you want to go through the challenges or anything? The, the missions. Well, I was waiting for you to give me a turn. Go ahead. So there's your turn. <laughs> so I think that the cliffhanger is some of the one of the worst choices of the new reboot. But here's a fun fact I found on the Wikipedia page about it because we've mentioned old and new versions, and this show has actually been rebooted before. Mm. So well, it had the celebrity version, well, which we have not yet watched, but I guess. Our good friend said that it's pretty good, so maybe we will watch it. We, I, I am planning on watching it, but I wanted to tell you this fun fact. Um, so it originally aired on ABC from 2001 to 2008 before being rebooted on Netflix in 2022. It is based on other versions of the original Belgian TV oh, series, right. mm-hmm. De Moi, that have aired in numerous countries. The Mole was produced by Stone Stanley Entertainment for the first four seasons. It was canceled, but later picked up again after a four-year hiatus. The fifth season was produced again by Stone & Co. Netflix picked up the show after a 14-year hiatus. Um, And while I say Eddie and I single-handedly brought back The Mole, and I want to believe that, I will say it must have just been really, like, when they added it to Netflix, it must have just been really popular. They were testing the waters. Right. I know what they were doing. But we are sad because the Anderson Cooper seasons seem to have disappeared from Netflix. They'll they'll be back. <laughs> they, they do that all the time. And I will tell you guys, I'm sure we said this on the original re- kind of review we gave of it. Anderson Cooper is one of the best parts of the OG series. Yeah, I like him. He's pretty funny. He adds to the quaint 
I mean, like, the old seasons are good because, like, <laughs> yeah, like you said, nobody's really, like, an influencer. And, like, everybody's different about, like, how they, like... You know, that was an age before everybody had a camera right. on their phone. So, like, everybody's like, oh, camera, okay. And they, like, forget they're on camera because they don't think about, like, things. To yeah, they're not, do. like, posing to be a model for uh, for J. Crew. Or, a, or, oh, yeah, that's what, that's what people want today. <laughs> 2022. Or they're not a gamer, a professional well, gamer. they are now. Okay, so we got some, okay, we'll go through some of the contestants here. We okay. Won't spoil, we'll, we won't spoil anything. But, um. So one big difference is like in the old seasons, you had a pretty wide range of ages, I would say, which I kind of like. Like you had like a 60 year old man in season two. Okay, and then uh, so this season, I think like it's like 20 to like 40, I think is the oldest person. Um, So, I mean, obviously more people are kind of focused on being uh, (laughs) like camera savvy and everything. And, And I think they do a lot more talking heads in this version i don't remember them they did some talking heads and voiceover in the old one. Oh, it's way way more prevalent and yeah, it's constant it's like the office it's or like, like jim Alpert. Oh. it's kind of like big brother-esque yeah big Bro- yeah but they definitely coach the uh players to like you know get them to have the right reaction which is another symptom of i guess like current modern reality um okay so we've got and right off the bat you know some of these folks are like internet personalities like mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me <laughs> one player is a professional gamer uh avery avery and apparently she's also a singer songwriter and who know i don't know and a model i believe and like some of them are you know their title card says they're like a brand manager it's yeah like, the okay, thor guy it's probably their own brand let's find thor yeah his name is william uh okay overall what did you think of the cast of characters Oh me? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, not <laughs> you. Mean someone else? Like the other yeah, the listeners? The ghost, the ghost in the apartment. Well, I would agree with Eddie. Like a lot of these are people. Well, some of them are in their mid thirties, but there's no like I really liked in the original season. There'd be like a twenty one year old and a sixty year old. Yeah, like, I like the old people. <laughs> like those people are gonna. There's gonna be conflict there. There's gonna be different points of view there that are funny and interesting. Uh huh. Yeah. And this, like Eddie said, like, I I felt several people in their talking heads, it came across so coached. Yeah, I agree. Now, I agree, yeah. one of those people that I kept picking up on that ended up being the mole. So then you're like, okay, well, well yeah, they're, I didn't say who. Well, yeah, they're coached because they're, it's a plant. But even like other people, they would be like doing the talking head. And I'd be like, why are they, like, they're speaking like a robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at first I thought that gave away who the mole. Right. Like, well, like one thing too is like, I do feel like everybody is like a lot more serious about the Mm -hmm. game in this one. And I, I don't know if that's through editing or, you know, just modern, if that's really how they are or the producing, who knows. But in the old, I mean, I hate to keep bringing up the old seasons, but uh, the, uh, like, it's just like back then everybody was less, you know, they weren't as like aware of like i guess like how they would come across on the internet and everything so mm-hmm. they were really jovial a lot of the time like the old season like i remember at one point like they're in the middle of a challenge and they're like oh let's stop at this cafe and have some drinks oh yeah <laughs> like I, I don't remember 
if that involved the mole even but <laughs> i remember thinking that was fun they're just living and do you remember yeah. do you remember they got like really drunk the one night yeah and oh, like that's right. the yeah. older guy <laughs> was being it's, yeah. it's like old seasons of survivor like people aren't worried about being canceled yeah, i'm not saying it's true. a good thing but it's a more accurate reflection of reality so right? anyway this is more i mean like if you like the old mole you'll like this one but the cast is a little more like serious about winning the money yeah i'd say and they're more like a bunch of models. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're all like hot people. Like the old seasons. Like, not that they weren't all hot in their own ways. <laughs> what well, the guy we were referencing earlier, who we said was uh, like a probably a content creator, is Will, who was a lifestyle brand manager. Yeah, whatever that means. It could be he's a brand manager for a lifestyle company. Could be that they didn't want to name. Yeah. But Casey always. Glatches on to the big guys like he did in Survivor, yeah, do. Jonathan, and in the old and you know <laughs> what does that say about me? You know, you're, you like you just love the pecs. Yeah, I guess you're I really, do. You're influenced by their work ethic to get muscles. I mean, I just I think I, mean, I Casey for all you listeners is ripped. So. <laughs> I think I find the big guys very interesting because they they rely on their they always you know they're always going to be relied on for their strength and the challenges right yeah they are, are they going to be good game players you don't know they usually are prevalent in a lot of these shows just because of how you know well they dominate physical comps i mean with what's his name from last season of survivor Jonathan. he literally he was, dragged people through the yeah, challenges was, yeah. it was insane <laughs> which i do like i like the try it's hilarious it's like the gym class tryhards, which i have a certain appreciation for anyway so um I will say, like, the challenges are, I mean, like, there are some mental ones, but most of them, I would say, are more physical, which I don't, I don't know. I like, I mean, like, I if they make a second season, I'd hope they, like, kind of combine the mental and physical aspects a little better. Because uh, that was a, I, I would say the mental and, like, just the gameplay was a lot bigger in the old seasons, which I, I liked. Well... Also, and it was more, you know, like even just like social, being sociable, which was less so in this game. Yes. Uh, yes. Because also something I mentioned is how they interacted with the actual towns and environments they were in in yeah. the original series. In this show, they could literally be anywhere. It's just a set like a, it's not, well, I mean. in Australia. Yeah. Down on and there's days. like buildings that they say they're using, but they're like obviously set up. Like they're not actually interacting with real people. Now, I don't know if that's like a change in like laws of how you're allowed to film people or if it's just that people are too afraid now for people to get mad at them or sue them or whatever but in the original series like they literally had to interact with just average people who had no idea what was going on and it was so <laughs> funny and another thing the original mole utilized that the new season did not is bringing in family members remember that was yeah, like a prize that was yeah that was i think these people just don't care about their families well, I, mean, like, <laughs> so it I don't work. know I, i've never been in this situation but I go a couple, like a month or two without seeing my, you know, my parents, which, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what it's like in the game environment, but anyway. Well, you're far from home. You're far from home. And you also home. are isolated entirely. No yeah, phone, no, yeah. you know what so I mean? Yeah, so maybe that is. But anyway, um, so, I mean, we all have our fate, like, you, you do become attached to some of the people and like the fun part of the mole, I think, is playing along and trying to find out who, who is the mole. Mm-hmm. Um, it is I, I would recommend the new season even yeah. if you haven't seen the original I really really hope they bring the original seasons back to Netflix because yeah. I think 
that you if you like this show, you're going to like that even more. But um, I'm just happy that's back. I hope they do a season two. I think they will. I bet you they. I bet you it's going to come out like in a couple months on like mm. the circle. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, this might be harder to make than the circle, but <laughs> apparently, uh, it's gotten a four point five out of five stars on. I don't know what is this Google. Yeah. <laughs> no one rated it two stars, but a couple people rated it one. Let's read one of these reviews. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> this is a review from Joseph. Four De- stars. That's reasonable. De Los Santos. Four stars. Like, what happened to this wonderful show? Like, the first few seasons were great. Like, wow, such deception, <sighs> mystery, <laughs> intrigue. Shaggy, all, all emotions go through you when you watch these seasons. Like, so good. I will always remember who the first mole was because. Wow. Applause on that first season. Anderson Cooper was delightful as a host. Seemed very down to earth and wanting to help the players without letting them know he was really being sneaky himself, lol. <laughs> like, you have to watch that first season. This show really pulls the viewer in, but these newer seasons, just terrible. Bring back Anderson. Average people wow. and whoever wrote those games. I I mean, that's basically you what we said. You love Anderson. I mean, I... I, I don't I, I disagree with some of that. I mean Anderson is a good host. I thought the new lady was alright. She's fine, but like But it's I mean she's the whole vi- the whole vibe of the show is just different. Like yeah. if, if they brought back Anderson, it's not gonna like Change. they're not gonna throw Anderson in, in the the pond like they remember when they threw him in. I don't think that would happen in twenty twenty two. No, you're right. You're right. Anyway, I, I don't I it's just a symptom of the era. Anyway, it's still a good show and you should I mean like if you have some time, throw it on. Um, and, it's good know, for these upcoming winter months when and, we're all stuck inside. Don't really, can't really go out and do things. Yeah. You you probably if you should watch it with another person because it's really fun to play along and like be like who do you think's gonna win? Yeah, you can imagine that you're in Australia where it's warm oh, probably yeah. most of the time. Wasn't well, their winter o- their winter's opposite our summer? Oh, maybe it is. So they would be so going maybe into their in summer. summer. I'm not sure if that's true, but it no, might I'm be. pretty sure that's true with all the so scary, just, scary bugs. I just found something else out that they did in the original seasons that they didn't that they did in this new one, but they didn't even mention it. What? There are hidden clues about who the mole is, like just like hidden within. They didn't tell us. Yeah, they didn't even mention that. But like, there's like you know, mostly for the viewers, I think, at home to see. <laughs> And like, like if you, what's the point of those if they don't point them yeah, out to that's us kind of, at the end to be like, did you catch it? Yeah, that's kind of. Uh, it says it was revealed on Netflix's YouTube channel. I did see like a Netflix's YouTube channel. Yeah, I saw they posted like a making of on Netflix of them all, which I do want to watch. Actually, we haven't watched it. We haven't done all our research. We so should so watch that. I do want to. All right. Well, anyway, thanks for listening to a talk about them all. Who for a couple minutes here? It's them all. We got a couple more things coming up. That I'm sure you're going to want to hear. Yeah, we're going to take a short break that will be seconds long for you, dear listener. But probably hours for us. And then we're going to come back and take a journey into the rec room. Ew. (laughs) I was trying to make the sound of the creaky door opening as we enter the rec room. That's right. It's been a minute since we've been here. It's super musty. Um, I'm going to have to light a couple of my candles, as mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. But I wanted to come to the rec room because I could not do an episode of In Case You Missed It without mentioning that there's a new Taylor Swift album out. And it is called Midnights. This is Taylor Swift's 12th studio album. And it is, I believe, 10, 
a 13 tracks total? Hold on. I'm not a good Taylor Swift fan. Let me pull up my research. This is her lucky number 13. Yeah. So, if I were her, I would make it 13. Okay. Midnight's. Let's look at the Wikipedia page. It came out on October 21st of this year. Oh, I was wrong. It's the 10th studio album by singer-songwriter Taylor Swift. Um, following Folklore and Evermore, which came out in 2020, uh, what I was thinking of is when Taylor was promoting the album, she t- said it was about um, 13 sleepless nights. So t- she wrote these songs about how you feel at midnights during different periods of your life and different situations. Um, she like had a specific quote about what inspired midnights, and I wanted to find that to read it. Here it is. Midnight's was inspired by five major topics. Self-hatred, revenge, wondering what might have been, falling in love, and falling apart. Um, this album was produced with her longtime collaborator, Jack Antonoff. If you're a Swift fan, you know who he is. Um, uh, Eddie asked me to describe, like, the vibe of this album, the era, as Swift fans will say. And I would say, what did I say? I said sugar pop, lo-fi sugar pop, pop. which I stand by. A lot of people have been saying that it sounds a lot like a Lana Del Rey album, which she has a song featuring Lana Del Rey on the album. And I use the word term featuring um, generously because Lana literally sings like one line. All right, what's what's a Lana Del Rey song? um, That you would know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, my God, that summertime, summertime's I've, I've heard her name millions of times, but I just don't know. I mean, I'm sure I've heard her song. I just can't Eddie's remember. too cool for... No, I just don't know. I'm sure they're great. I will I say, know. I will say as I go into this review, um, in this rec, I'm extremely biased. I have the trope that many Taylor Swift fans have where we're like super defensive Taylor Swift. I have listened to Taylor Swift since her Fearless album, I love Taylor's her. version? No, well, I have Taylor's version, but her Fearless album came out in like... 2022. No. <laughs> I've no. listened to her since this year. It's I'm come out t- like over 10 years ago. Yeah. It's and I love Taylor Swift, so it's, hard, it's really hard for me not to give an album a good review. However, I will say this. There was one album that upon first listen, I said, I'm so disappointed. And Uh-oh. that is the Reputation album, which came out in like 20, I was in college, so it was probably like 2017, 2018, and Christine and I listened to a leaked version of it on Google Drive in our dorm room, and I sat there, and I heard some of the lyrics, and I went, she's better than this. And this began an era of Taylor Swift lyrics that made me cringe. The, on the past, uh, not Folklore and Ivor, actually, but on Lover... On this album and on Reputation, there are lines and songs that make me go, And Mm. I don't know what that is. I don't know why. Because I don't feel like she did that in her earlier albums that are more, I don't know if I want to say lyrical, less pop. But I was listening to an NPR NPR album, an NPR review, Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's a great podcast. And they were talking about the album and they said, Taylor Swift will write the most beautiful song you've ever heard on the same album that has, like, a clunker. 
<laughs> and I would say this album is clunkers karma. Come at me, Swifties. You know it's a clunker. It's cringy. Get over it. I also think Glitch is a, cr- a clunker, if I had to be honest. Which one? Glitch. It's a bonus track. Oh. So she released the original track, the original album tracks at midnight, and she released some bonus tracks. And... Uh, how many tracks total though? That's what I'm. So why to... are they bonus if they're just like there? I what's I don't get it. Okay, um, I believe there's 13 songs on the album and then 13 bonus tracks. That sounds like too many to me. Well, go down to the track listing. Here, I'll get to the bottom of this. Eddie's gonna scroll down this for Wikipedia me. Wikipedia page. Um, the album has so like it looks like there's 20 total or. Right? 20? Yeah, 20. Okay, yes, 20. Yep. And then um, the Target version, there's a a bonus song. Listen, that's marketing stuff. Wait a minute. So wait, is there going to be a Taylor Swift Midnight's 3 a.m. edition Target version, Taylor's version? No, I mean, it already exists and it's not called that. I know, but will there be when she re-records this one? Why would she re-record this one? She owns her music now. I know, but I could see it happening. You're such a... He's such a cynical... cynical. I'm not saying it's bad for her to re-record those, but I just... The ones that she doesn't own? Yeah. Obviously, she should... I mean, she should own her music, obviously, but... I don't... You know, like... Let it go. I know, I'm letting it go. Um, and I will not let it go, of course. But anyway, uh... I lost my train of thought. Well, you were talking about... The clunkers. Oh, the great! And the midnight's three AM edition. Yeah. So <laughs> don't, midnight, don't midnight laugh. Challenge. So um, she like did a second release. People are really excited. Um, I like a majority of these songs. Like the NPR podcast, uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour. People stated like there's a few that I still was like, eh, but way less so than on Reputation. Um, and people are gonna hate me for saying that about Reputation. There's a ton of online conversation from all the freaking Taylor Swift accounts I follow that are like Reputation is the album that got me into Taylor Swift I think that's crazy I think that's insane I think that like that album is fine and it represents a period in her life but I do not think it's reflective of who she what is as an artist one, what came before that one uh 1989 interesting yeah because that's like a real poppy one right? yes like that's is that the one with shake it off yes maybe people were turned off you know they didn't I guess maybe you could say that reputation was darker than right but i don't know 1989 had a lot of hits on it did it have uh starbucks lovers they'll tell you do you really think that's the lyric yeah no do you really yeah do you yeah because that was a common misheard lyric is it i remember in j14 they were like common misheard lyrics and it was that from blank space it was really good marketing for starbucks no, it wasn't. So, the lyric has actually got a long list of ex-lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. It sounds like you just said got a long list of Got a long lovers. list of ex-lovers. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe they think that reputation was like darker in like a way that makes makes her seem like someone's more mature. Yeah, I guess I, so. To I don't me, know what, I don't even know what songs were on reputation. To me, it's like her least mature album. Interesting. But I think it was like, it's kind of like how everybody has like a, to use a problematic term, how every girl says they have a slut period of their life where they just kind of like um, make some maybe like not so smart choices and just kind of have to figure out like who they are because they go through like their first heartbreak or whatever. 
I feel like that album is that for Taylor Swift. Interesting. There are some songs on it that I think are great, but it was the one I'm most disappointed by. But Midnight's is kind of a return to form after Folklore and Evermore being very um, acoustic, very... What's the word I'm looking for? We, uh, lo-fi. <laughs> they weren't, no. Folklore and Evermore were not lo-fi. Folky. Yes, yes, yes. Um, she's kind of returned. This is more like return to pop. I would say a lot of people are saying it's like a mix of like 1989 and Reputation. Um, some of the songs are about kind of... Like, she's a really good storyteller, in my opinion, and some of them are just stories, and some of them seem to relate directly to her life. Something Taylor Swift fans really like to do, including myself, is try to link a song to a period of her life to try to figure out what inspired it. I don't know if she likes that or hates that, um, because, I mean, I don't think she likes that people for a long time defined her as, like, someone who just writes about their exes, as if, as if not every artist does that. Well, so. yeah, so maybe it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, do you think that she's, uh, I don't know, like, there's so many expectations now for her that, like, how can she even make something that... Pleases everyone? Well, not well, not that please, but just, like, something that, something that, like, subverts expectations in a way that's still, like, artistic, but also, like, I don't know, pleasing to other people. Okay, I don't know, like, but there's I so think... many expectations. Like, how can... Yes, and I, I think know. Folklore and Evermore did that. Yeah, they were, I mean, yeah, they, because... they just came out, right? Well, yes, but also, those songs, she has gone on record saying, these songs are about a story that I wrote with characters during lockdown. Like, this is not... I mean, like, some of the lyrics might relate to me personally, but, like, I wanted to write outside of myself, like tell a story through an album that wasn't really didn't people didn't need to speculate because I'm telling you exactly like what it is. And I thought that that was, excuse me, a very interesting and cool choice. Um, This album, however, is back to like, who's this song about? What's this about? Blah, 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 blah. But, but how do you know that? Like, we, what if it's it, what it's if it, all speculation. Yeah, like, what if it's just she did just... I mean, it is. It's all speculation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's kind of fun. And, you know, I don't think it's harmful. Um, but I do wonder if she, like, when she, like, reads that stuff online or, or people ask her about it, fans and stuff, if she, like, gets annoyed. I don't know. But anyway... Yeah, well, you don't really see that many interviews with her anymore. Well, like, that's on purpose. Did she go on, like, Conan? Or, like, like, is she well, she on, was on... On Stephen Colbert? She was on the late night shows for this album. Okay. But okay. she just... I think... I mean, it's probably a lot on a person. No, I agree, yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, like, they say Robert Pattinson says he just makes things up in interviews. Oh, well, I don't think she does that. He's way more of an asshole than she is. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's like, that's so... a really stupid and upsetting yeah, yeah. thing to do. I mean, it can't. I mean, he did. I, yeah, I mean, who knows? But, um. I don't know the guy. <laughs> I don't know Robert. I, I don't, don't know, either. I just. I don't know team I don't, I don't like when people. He's I don't, I don't like when people. So I. I don't like when people lie. I guess I don't either. It's not very nice. Um. But anyway, this album has done very, very well um, commercially. I was going to pull up some stats and now I, I'm missing them. Didn't it say that she had all the hits on the Billboard 100? Like the top 10 was all her songs. Yeah. Did you see that? Which I don't even know how they compile that anymore. I mean, not that I ever really did. Oh, I found it. Midnight's broke a string of sales, streaming, digital, vinyl, and official chart records globally. 
Um, it achieved the all-time Spotify record for the most streamed album in a single day, with 186 million streams its opening day, surpassing the previous record of 155 million streams by Drake. Swift also became the most streamed artist in a single day on Spotify, with 228 streams across our discography, the first artist to cross the 200 millionth mark. Um, have you ever met a real-life Drake fan? I don't know if I have. Yeah, and I, you know him. Who? Well, Should I out him on the pod? On the pod, I guess if it's someone that's not we're not close friends with. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna out him, but I know someone. Okay, it's your dad. I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Can you imagine? <laughs> no. Um. All of the tr- album tracks that are the Billboard Global 200. I mean, I'm guessing they do that off of streams, right? And I guess and bought I, tracks. I that must be it. I don't know. Um, because. It just streams are what they measure things by. Three Midnight's moved three million album equivalent units worldwide. Like, what does that mean? I guess that's like how many streams. Like, because I don't know, like a stream on Spotify makes like less than a cent for. Right. So like maybe like enough stream. I, but I don't that doesn't. It's confusing. Mathematically work. In the U.S. Midnight's... <laughs> You're using Terrence Malick's math formula. I don't know what that means. Well, John Markle, no. In the U.S., Midnight sold over 800,000 copies in its first day. A, a lot of Taylor Swift fans and, like, fans of artists, like, you want to have the physical copy still, so... Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that there. she still sold a ton of those as well. I meant Terrence Howard, not Terrence Malick's math formula. Okay. All right, anyway. That's so... a correction for you and you only, John Mark. Um... But that's enough of, like, critical reception. What do I think? Yeah, what do you think? So, I do love this album. I am not, like, willing to say, like, oh, it's the best thing she's ever done. I think that some of it is some of her best work ever, and some of it, like I said, is, like, a couple clunkers. Um, I think Folklore and Evermore are still, like, kind of her, like, people are saying that that's, like, kind of, like, her magnus opum. Like, it's, like, the most... Magnus opus. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. What did you just say? Magnus opum? Magnus opum. What's that? I don't know. What is that? Magnus opum? Yeah, what is that's that? When you, uh, put a magnet on the fridge and call it a opossum. I don't know. Um... Take that out. <laughs> I won't. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do... People think that Folklore and Evermore are, like, her legacy, right? Like, those albums were her best work because they are so complex. They, and, like, lyrically different than anything she's ever done. Like, it it was very critically acclaimed. I think this album is less so. And I have to agree that I think lyrically it has more faults than the past two albums. However, there's some of the most beautiful songs i've heard in recent years from taylor swift on this album you're on your own kid is a wonderful song about re- about growing up and realizing that yes you only have yourself at the end of the day but that doesn't mean you should you shouldn't like take the risk of of giving other things you're all like there's a lyric and it's like make the friendship bracelets take take the moment and taste it like you because you you know you really do only have you at the end of the day you could say oh i'm only going to trust myself i'm not going to open myself up to others i shouldn't try to make friends i shouldn't try to like take risks but it's saying like yes that can be true and you can also like you know open your heart i don't know if i explained that well it's a really beautiful song and it. it makes me cry there is a song um 
called Bigger Than the Whole Sky. And people think that it's perhaps about a miscarriage. And listening to it, I think that could be true. However, it could also be about a million different types of loss, right? Um, But it's very beautiful. I also think that's a beautiful song. And then there's one um, that I've really been liking that is a bonus track. Um, And it's Escape. It's one I told you is about John Mayer. Oh, yeah. Um, It's at the bottom. Oh, thanks. There we go. It is would have, could have, should have. Oh yeah, I think you showed me that one. Um. Now again, I kind of live for the drama, the speculation, right? Um. Is this about John Bay or is it not? It doesn't really matter. What the song is actually about is just like being in a relationship when you're young and looking back and realizing that perhaps that person didn't have your best intentions at heart. Mm. And and it kind of just talks about the the societal norm. That tends to be with young females or female identifying people being in relationships with older male males and kind of reflecting and, and realizing that they maybe were taken advantage of because it's like just seen as something that's kind of like allowed in our society. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really nice because a lot of people relate to it and they say like, you know, I'm still healing from that kind of situation. Like I was reading the YouTube comments and people were like, this just makes me think of a situation I was in that I'm still, like, healing from, and it really, like, makes me feel very close. And in the NPR review, they said Taylor Swift's really good at writing about very specific situations and making it feel universal. And that I agree with. I always have felt like, even before I had really had any boyfriends or anything, I would listen to a Taylor Swift song and I would find a way to be like, this yeah. is about me. Uh-huh. Like, it feels so personal. And another thing they said in the review that I agree with, that they were, like, the the worst type of Taylor Swift song is when Taylor Swift writes about how hard it is to be Taylor Swift. Mm. And there are a couple songs like Karma and stuff that she's just like slamming on the haters. Basically like what Reputation was that I think is silly. Um, I mean, she's allowed to have those feelings. I just think it's harder for people to relate to because we're not, you know, superstars. We're not with... Taylor Swift. Right. We're not living in her body. Right. But um, overall, I think the album is really good. I mean, I think for me... It's something I'm going to keep listening to. I mean, I've been listening to it exclusively for like the past couple weeks. And the songs like Sweet Nothing and Lavender Haze are some of the most beautiful love songs. And they really make my heart happy. And I also love her return to form with like kind of questions about like lost love. And like, you know, she's not just writing about being in love. She's writing about all stages of love and relationships and friendships and I don't know. I do think it's great. I think it's, like I said, a return to form, and um, I'll be enjoying it for many months to come. And now I'm afraid to say I'm going to let Eddie give his opinion. Um. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of other Taylor Swift albums. Which, like, I know coming from me, <laughs> the guy who loves punk music, he's probably really uh, uh, relevant. But I guess, you know, if it helps people feel less alone in the world that's good right and i'm sure taylor swift is a nice lady she seems she seems really nice i have a problem with what you said what you haven't listened to every taylor swift album yeah i've heard at least one song from every album and you you, you think that makes you qualified to say they all sound the same no i think no i Uh I, well Uh to me they do to this one reporter's opinion 
I also think, don't you think? I think that me holding a microphone and having a podcast <laughs> entitles me to everybody to take me seriously. So, well, I'm just kidding. I, I said I was going to get defensive and I am. But don't you think that they're different? Okay. They don't, but like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. That's a song about, about the sky being maroon. <laughs> what I was going to say. Good, it's you, good. It's good. It's you good. You didn't so. let me finish my point. Go ahead. What I was going to say is, don't you think a lot of, artists they like to establish a sound and then that's the sound you associate with them mm-hmm. therefore you could say a lot of artists tracks all sound the same and it's not bad it's just that's their thing their niche their specialty yeah yeah so I mean, you know why is it a bad thing it's not a bad thing i just i i, I just like you know you expect i guess like well you know with the other albums you kind of noticed a big change in what she was doing and this one i guess it kind of sounds like a combination of folklore and lover i guess but lover was already kind of dream poppy mm-hmm. i don't know well like i said it's kind of a return to form yeah and it makes sense that it would be a combination because then she announced she's going on tour and the tour is the eras tour yeah the tour that's a big uh that's huge i cannot wait to spend a lot of money on so tickets. yeah yeah when it's been a while since she toured which song four years which song are you most excited for to hear hear live of all her tracks ever. Well, no, of this of this album. Like, what's, you know, I she probably, um, unless she, does she typically do all of them? Well, no, because <laughs> it's, excuse you, it's going to be the heiress tour, so I'm assuming she's going to do stuff from every single album. Like, she's going to inherit something? Is Era. It, oh. E-R-A-S. <laughs> okay, not the heiress. She's not the heiress to the swift fortune. Swift fortune. I can't believe uh, this. Well, which song? Tell me. I'm looking. Um, I really hope she sings Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. Think that'll be a fan favorite? Yes. I also um, would love to hear You're On Your Own, Kid. I think Would Have, Could Have, Should Have is a breakthrough hit. Kind of like All Too Well was at the time of Red. All Too Well was not a single. It just ended up being like a fan favorite that she worked into her tour because people requested it. And I was looking at the comments of the YouTube video of what it could have should have. And people were like, wow, I can't believe All Too Well isn't my favorite song anymore. Whoa. Yeah. That's wild. So we'll see. Um, but anyway, I'm going to hand the rec room over to Eddie to talk about something else. Yeah, I haven't really seen any new movies lately or like... I can't think of any music that's. I thought you out. were going to talk about Barbarian. Oh, uh, I could talk. Yeah, it's on. You know, I'll talk about that. I was going to talk about the show uh, reboot on Hulu. I haven't finished it yet, though. But it's okay. It's just it's, okay. It's yeah, it's okay. Like I think I I might have talked about the other two on here. Yeah. Which is on HBO, which <laughs> I think that show is it's kind of in a way like similar, but a lot better than reboot. But I, reboot's all right. Oh, but I could talk about Barbarian. Uh, it's uh, came out, I man, maybe like in September, I want to say. I saw it in the theater by myself, but it was a packed theater with a bunch of people in it, actually. A luxury theater where you could put the uh, feet up. Mm. You could uh, put your drink in a cup holder. You could put your candy in your pocket. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't know anything. I just heard, I saw that we saw the trailer do you remember seeing the trailer? Yes. I think it was, we saw bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah. So, and it looked like, you know, honestly, like the trailer was kind of 
You know, it had good atmosphere. It was scary. It uh, The trailer's pretty good. And like, that was all I knew about it. But I, I didn't really, honestly, I wasn't going to see it. But I saw everybody talking about it. Like, go in and don't, you know, don't look up any information before going in. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. And uh, it starts off like it reels you in, like a lot of good horror movies. It re- And I won't, you know, give away too much here. It reels you in really well, really quick. Um, it's like gives you but i mean like it gives you like a premise that you think is going to happen and basically like (laughs) you think like even though i knew everybody said like it subverts expectations i thought for some reason i was like yeah i'm a smart guy who's seen a lot of horror movies so i know what's gonna happen i know what might happen and then like things you know things do start happening and like literally like I mean, like, just the. I hate to say there's plot twists, but there's just developments in the story that really I've never seen before. And it's very scary, even like, and even tense, but also very funny, which really is not accomplished by many movies, but I think this one does it. And. They're doing a. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I explained the plot to Casey and, and it's because she probably will never watch it because like I'd I like I mean I'd like to see you like see how far you'd make it but but anyway I came out August 31st according to IMDB uh, what did you think of me explaining the plot to you yeah so when Eddie got back I asked him to read to tell me the plot like a bedtime story you're really good at remembering plots in movies yeah well it's I mean you you told you're it good so good it. I'm a journalist. You told it. I said it. You told it so good. You told it so well. <laughs> uh, I'm a journalist. You told it so good. Um, you told it so well. Like I felt like it, you like you're you're good at like bedtime stories that way. <laughs> yeah. But um. Go to sleep. Uh, it was terrifying. Um, as soon as he finished it, I was like, yeah, there's no way I could have watched that. It's way too scary. I was just noticing on IMDb, one of the ads they're playing is like a classic, like what they used to do for Paranormal Activity, where they show the audience and it's like a black oh, light, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. like green, and they show the audience just like losing their minds. I don't think I saw that. Um, trailer no, that. they played the regular trailer when we saw it, but uh, yeah, that's a good marketing. But <laughs> I've heard a lot about it, um, just online from people I know who also really like scary movies. Um, high praise from Eddie, who sees a lot of movies. Yeah, so. I thought it one of not my favorite horror movie of the year, but it's up there. Like, what is Bill Skarsgård known for? He's in it as Pennywise the clown, oh, and he's yeah. you know the brother of what of the other Skarsgård and the son of Stellan Skateboard. Couldn't tell. Isn't he in Mama? Well, his oh, his father is in, in Mama, Mama Mia. Mia. Yeah, yeah. I freaking love Oopa his bah, dad. <laughs> Yeah, me too. He's great. <laughs> Um, if Ma- that is his real dad, we don't know. Mamma Mia is always a recommendation on this podcast. Yeah. Watching the and Mamma Mia, Mia too. Especially Mamma Mia too. I honestly think it's better. We have the DVD pack, I yeah, think. Yeah, we do. Or, we do. Know. I so, have it. Watch Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia too. It's my favorite. All right. Yeah, that's all I have to say about Barbarian. You should see... I mean, like, if you like horror movies, you should see it. I think that it'll... Wow, yeah. Yeah. And if you like Taylor Swift, you'll love Midnight's. Um, and if you like Taylor Swift, you'll love Barbarian. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> it's true. Trust me. I don't know what the crossover is there. Uh, yeah, I don't... Mm. The Venn diagram of horror fans to Taylor Swift fans. I'm I mean, sure. they they exist, but it's like, is it big? Next movie's, or next album is going to be Barbarian, Taylor's version. Anyway, 
Thank you for listening to another episode of our podcast. We appreciate everybody who listens. It's really cool that more than just a couple of our friends have listened to these episodes. We appreciate it. We like doing it. And we'll talk at you next time. All right, bye. Bye.